If you just pop your glasses down, they'll be collected at the end of the service. Thank you for those that served. Great. Well, as uh, Deb said earlier, um, our pastor Chris is away, so if you're visiting with us today, um, Chris, our minister, is uh, having a few days off, so that's great. But we're going to continue with our series we've been looking at for the last few weeks on holiness. Um, and I don't have a clicker here, guys, today. So, Danny, I'm really happy for you to click the slides because you're, or somebody up there I can't, who I can't see to do that. That's great. George, so if you just keep us right on when the next slide comes up, I'm really happy for you to do that. It's fine. Danny's well used to me and usually has to sort me out with slides, so I'm grateful. Thank you. Um, yeah, so my name is Fee, if I haven't met you before, um, and I'm a member of the church congregation here, uh, one of the deacons. So we're continuing on the series of holiness, and uh, we are thinking, remembering, if you like, that God's high aim for us is that our destiny is to become, like, to become like God in that he is holy and he is wanting us to live holy lives as well. So we've considered what it looks like um, God's process of sanctifying us, that long word for some of us, making us holy. And we've thought about the conflict that arises within us as we seek to try and live a holy life. Um, and today we're on the cost of holiness. Honestly, sometimes I look at some of these things and I think, why do I get the good ones? <laughs> the cost of holiness. Who wants to preach about the cost of holiness? Well, that's what I'm doing this morning. And on rereading the first chapter of 2 Timothy, and we're going to read 2 Timothy, so before we move on any other slides, if you've got your Bible or you've got it on your phone, if you look up 2 Timothy and the first chapter of 2 Timothy... And we're going to read from verse 8. If anybody wants a Bible, they're just outside the door at the back. You can go and grab one if you prefer a book in your hands. 2 Timothy 1, and I'm reading from verse 8. So do not be... This is Paul writing a letter to Timothy, a, young, a younger believer. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who has saved us and called us to a holy life. This should all be ringing bells if you've been in church in the last few weeks and have one of our cards. Who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet I'm not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him for that day. If you're an older member of a congregation, you've been having the song going through your head, haven't you? <laughs> and we're not even singing it today. But um, so, 
You know, I've been reading to Timothy in my devotional, my own personal devotions in these last few weeks. And uh, one of the things that struck me as I've thought about our verse of the year, which is our card, do get one at the desk as you leave if you want to, um, is that our text of the year is set in the context of suffering. The suffering that Paul was going through. Verse 11 indicates that in serving God, we can expect suffering. And yet Paul invites us, not only Timothy, as followers of Jesus, and we can and we will see and experience some suffering as we follow on our journey towards holiness. It's very interesting, as I say, when I looked at this, that our verse of the year, this call to holiness, is set in the context of suffering. So let's talk about the cost, okay? Now, I want to just tell you two quick stories. Um, the first is two experiences I've had real, uh, recently which have made me weigh up the cost of something, right? So the first one was that Mark and I went a couple of weeks ago to Bath, the city of Bath, not to a Bath. The city of Bath, um, and uh, we went with a couple of friends. Now, one of these friends couldn't walk very well. Mark and I really practiced at this. If you've known Mark over the last few years, we know about not walking very well. And I was looking into things that we could do in Bath when you've got somebody who can't walk very well. And um, there is this place, a spa place, where you can swim in the Bath spa waters. Um, it's called Therma Bath Spa, okay? And I thought that this might be ideal because you're not walking, you're in the water floating around. And I, th and I began to investigate it, and I actually what I came up with was that it was quite pricey for two hours in the spa waters, okay? And I, I, I had to we had to consider the cost. Would the benefit of going here together, being able to relax, being able to do something that our friend could do, enjoying time together and de-stressing, was that going to be worth outlaying the amount of money that we were going to have to pay to do it. Now, financiers and economists call this cost-benefit analysis. We have some of those people in our congregation. Um, and I think, I call it, is it worth is it, worth it kind of thinking. Is it worth it? Um, by the way, if you go to Bath, the other great thing to do is a bus tour. That's the other thing we did, if you can't walk very well, okay? Very interesting thing to do. You learn a lot. So, um, the second story I want to share with you is that I went out recently to get our road tax renewed on the car. And for one of the reasons I won't go into it, I went to the post office to do that. See, a while back, a while back... A while back, Mark and I had to get a new car, a, a car, replace a car. And Mark did loads of research about this car. I was so glad. We wanted to be more environmentally friendly. Um, but honestly, when we began to look into it, forking out for a hybrid, sort of part electric kind of car, even a second-hand one... Was it going to be worth it? How much would we save in using less petrol? Um, and without knowing it, we were becoming experts in cost-benefit analysis, okay? But imagine my joy when I got to the post office to renew our road tax to realize I only had to pay, only, 
£145 or something like that, instead of 260 Now, that's great, isn't it? What a saving, 145 or whatever, instead of 260 I have forgotten the unexpected joys that would come from having paid the initial cost to get our second-hand car. Why do I tell these two stories? Well, what's the cost of holiness? Let's do a bit of cost-benefit analysis this morning. Firstly, what does it cost to be a Christian? Okay? Now, there's two potential answers, at least, to this question, okay? I'm going to suggest the two this morning. The first is nothing. Have we got nothing coming up on there? Nothing. Costs us nothing to be, to be a Christian because our sins have been wiped out. Jesus died in our place. We've remembered that this morning. Praise God for that. They've been eradicated. Isn't that great news? We can't buy our salvation. Verse 9 of the chapter we've just read talks about grace. That means free, it's a free gift that we get. Boy, wouldn't we like more free gifts in soaring costs that we're all experiencing at the moment. It'd be nice to have a few more free things, wouldn't it? But our salvation, in one sense, costs us absolutely nothing. Hallelujah. Isn't that amazing? But what is the... What's the other potential answer to that question? What does it cost us? Everything. Everything. Jesus said, those who wish to follow him must deny themselves, give up the right to themselves, to their own choices and to desires, and take up the cross and follow him. That says that in Luke 9 and verse 23. I'm not making that up. Jesus said that, okay? So, everything. And we've been looking at a book, some of us together. Um, If you haven't, it's not too late to start looking at this. It's called Holiness by this bishop from last century or the century before called Bishop Ryle. Um, And uh, one of the things, what he says, uh, he talks about that we need to give up four things, okay? So, let's look at the first. Well, I think they're all going to come up there at the moment. Okay, so we're just going to talk briefly about these. Self-righteous pride. We need to give up. This is the cost to us. Give up our self-righteous pride. Give up. Quit thinking you are good enough. If we're honest with ourselves, for most of us, this little self-sufficiency streak that goes on inside us, isn't there? I can do this. I can do this. You know, I can make it. I'm okay, Jack. Give up our self-righteous pride. Secondly, we need to acknowledge our wrongdoings, our sins, as the Bible would call them, things that we enjoy doing, but which ultimately are to our detriment. And actually, they hurt God and they hurt us. The third thing is that we need to give up our love of an easy life. (sighs) Who wants to do that? Wouldn't we all like an easy life? One of our neighbours showed us when we were having our storm on Friday that she was in in Lanzarote having beautiful sunshine. Wouldn't we all like to be in Lanzarote having beautiful sunshine? But the Bible says, the Bible uses language like that we have an enemy and that we have become a soldier of Christ. And Paul talks about fighting the good fight. See, when we transfer into being part of the kingdom of God, 
then you know, this kind of world becomes like enemy territory and we have an enemy kind of is out to get us and it's not easy. So it's not going to be an easy life, no way. And lastly, Ryle suggests that we need to surrender the favor of the world. John 15, 20, Jesus says that the world will hate us. That's strong language, isn't it? Hate us because it hated him before us. And that's a hard one for many of us, the favor of the world. Don't we want to be popular? Let's face, I mean, you know, honestly, say in the workplace, you know, do we, do we really want to stand up and say, yeah, I'm a Christian, let me tell you about Jesus? No, it doesn't make, doesn't make winners friends particularly, does it? Generally, it's difficult. It's not particularly an easy life. So are we willing to pay the cost for the unexpected joys to come? Let's go back to our cost-benefit analysis. Ryle uses the comparison of the cross... Um, taking up our cross and gaining one day in the future um, a, um, the, sorry, let me just say that, that one day in the future we'll have a crown, okay? So he uses the pictures of a cross now and a crown later, okay? And in fact, he says, and I think we've got this on the slide, cheap Christianity without a cross will prove in the end a useless Christianity without a crown, Cheap Christianity without a cross will prove, in the end, a useless Christianity without a crown. So he's not mincing his words, is he here, about this cross. Trivializing that metaphor, if we hadn't paid the cost of our, uh, the original cost of our hybrid car, we wouldn't get cheaper petrol costs, we wouldn't get cheaper road tax, we wouldn't feel that we were impacting the environment for good the unexpected joys after the cost. The down payment of that cost led to the benefit immediately and in the future at a later time. So why is it important to, do, to, to count the cost, to do this cost-benefit analysis about our journey to holiness as Christians? Or before we become Christians, Jesus says you need to count the cost. So if you're on the edge of that journey... You see, if we don't think the end goal is worth it, we might just kind of jump in, ask for forgiveness, you know, start the journey of faith, but really all too easily turn back when the going gets tough. As it will, my dear friends. You see, we need to hold in comparison the cost we pay now and the joys to come. And what are they? Well, our life's being transformed by Jesus to become more holy, to become more like Jesus. We've sung that this morning as well, about becoming like Jesus, we sang, didn't we? Um, and being ready to meet him and the prize of eternal life with him, safe with God forever. Isn't it, isn't it wonderful um, to know that dear Joan is safe with God forever? after passing from us this week and from the family and from our church family to be with Jesus. It's real, folks, this transition to, to being part of God's family and being with him forever. You know, whether we'll ever wear an actual crown, who knows? To, to my mind, honestly, all those coronation-y type things that go on, we see a lot of crowns at the moment, don't we? They don't look that comfortable. I wouldn't want to be walking around with one of those heavy crowns on my head. But that's 
that's neither here nor there. But the prize, the benefit of being with Jesus, what could be better? That's the prize. That's the goal. That's the benefit in the cost-benefit analysis. And let's not be complacent about this journey of faith, the journey of into being God's holy people. We see plenty of examples of people turning back, and we're going to see one or two of them now. So the first of people who gave up in this journey were the Israelites. So you'll remember the Israelites had been rescued out of Egypt. God sent Moses to negotiate with Pharaoh and got them out. No sooner were they out than they start whinging, moaning, groaning, complaining, railing against Moses, against God, against anybody who will listen because it wasn't going their way. They weren't seeing things work out just as they had thought they would. When the going got tough, they started making their own gods. They started making up things to worship instead of God, the true God. And they quickly threw away this freedom that they had in God. So we see the Israelites. Secondly, we see some disciples in John 6, 6, verse 66. If you've got a Bible there, you want to look it up. It actually says that Jesus had been teaching his disciples around um, coming to the Father and knowing God solely through Jesus, that he was that way, through a relationship with Jesus, solely through that way. It's a hard teaching. And some of them, it says, no longer followed Jesus. They thought, let's sling our hook. We're out here. This is too tough. What, we've got to come through Jesus? We don't want to do that. Maybe you know friends who have done just that. This coming through Jesus, Lark, you know, it's a bit tough. It's too hard. It's too costly. Or maybe we've been tempted ourselves to think that. Surely we could have Jesus plus. (laughs) Surely we could do it another way. Or a man named Demas, we read about in 2 Timothy 4 verse 10. Now, Demas wanted friendship with the world. That's what it says. And he deserted his journey of faith and service. He'd been faithfully following before that. But the friendship with the world pull overcame that. Friends, beware. These things are so tempting. The call to the cost of following, the call to holy living is not for the faint-hearted because the tug of the world is strong, the desire to be popular, to blend in. Friends, guard your hearts that having started well, you don't fall out of the race. This is indeed a hard teaching. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German pastor, and uh, he was imprisoned, incarcerated in a concentration camp during the war, Second World War, and in fact, he died there. He never got out, but he wrote, and uh, one of the things he wrote was saying, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Now, in his case, that was literally, and in many of our cases, it will not be literally at this point in time. When Christ calls a man or a woman, he bids them come and die. You know, I and we here at HHBC would be doing a disservice to not help us all consider the cost of being a follower of Jesus, the cost of holiness. But it's in surrender that we end up 
saving our life, both now and in the world to come. Jesus himself said in Mark 8, he said, what do you benefit? Interesting, the same word, cost-benefit analysis. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world, have it all now, but lose your soul and not gain that eternal prize? In the cost-benefit analysis, are we losing sight of all that's to come because we rail against paying the cost now? I want to encourage us folks to lift our eyes this morning to the glory of all that is to come because, you know, that's the thing that's going to outweigh for us whether we think, oh, this is costly and I'm going to give up. It's holding our eyes onto Jesus and onto the prize of all that's to come. There's a wonderful old hymn, and we're going to sing it at the end, called Glorious Things of Thee Are Spoken, Zion City of Our God, looking ahead. And the last verse reads, Fading is this worldling's pleasure, all his boasted pomp and show, solid joys and lasting treasure, none but Zion's children know. Zion's a picture of that eternal city of God where God and his people will be. Solid joys and lasting treasure. That's the goal. It's all worth the cost. That's where we're headed. Because the things we hold dear now, that car sitting out there will become a rust bucket. You know, it'll end, it'll fade. The things we hold on to as precious and dear now, they're going to go. They'll all end. Brothers and sisters, you know, I believe that when we see Jesus, we're going to be overwhelmed with shame that we thought so much of the cost of our own popularity and we thought it was too high a price to pay when we can glimpse his glory. We need to ask God for his perspective on the cost of holiness. I really believe that. Let's, talk, let's look at Romans 8.18. We're coming towards the end. But um, Paul, Paul writes to the church in Rome, and they were going through sufferings. He said, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing. It's, all, it's a cost-benefit analysis again, isn't it? The present sufferings with the glory that will be revealed in us. Okay, so lift your eyes, folks, today to the future glory that will be revealed when you are thinking, I'm going through all this suffering and I don't understand. It's fine not to understand. We're here to help each other walk through the times when we don't understand. The present sufferings, much and great as they may be, are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed. It's the cost-benefit analysis. So we need to focus on the prize to come as we consider the cost of the call to holiness this morning. Or putting it another way, 2 Corinthians 4, and some of you will know this verse, our light and momentary affliction, and I'm not underestimating, friends, the light and momentary affliction that some of us experience day by day, but look at this, is producing for us an absolutely incomparable, eternal weight of glory. That's one version says that. I love that. It's an absolutely incomparable. We cannot compare what we're experiencing now with what we will 
get in the future. Absolutely incomparable, eternal weight of glory. So weighing it up in the cost-benefit analysis, the cost, the troubles don't compare with what's to come. And verse 18, following that in 2 Corinthians 4, says if we don't look, it encourages to not look at the things that can be seen, but to the things that cannot be seen. Ryle puts it another way, and the next slide will show this. Ryle says, the presence and the company of Christ will make amends for all that we suffer here below. So if you've read the chapter on the cost, or if you're going to this week, or if you're going to be studying in your home groups, you'll be picking up on some of these themes, hopefully, as we go through it. Friends, we live in an age of instant gratification, so the pull is hard to give up, the favor of things that personally benefit us now. But one day, we will realize that we made much of the cost, the sacrifice, the cross, and thought so little of the crown, the reward, the wonder of being with Jesus and being like Jesus. The verses we read from 2 2 Timothy 1 at the end, um, it, it was Paul said that he was not ashamed of suffering the cost because he knows who he He knows who he has believed in. He knows that belonging to Jesus and ultimately being with Jesus is worth worth it. And what's more, he's convinced, look at this, that God is able to guard him for that ultimate day of meeting Jesus. Friends, he's able to guard you and me too if we surrender to him this morning, to hold us, to take us through those light and momentary afflictions to take us through the cost till we receive the crown. He's able to guard us. The end will be worth the cost. If you take nothing else away today, please remember that. Let's take a moment to pray. God, as we sit in your presence, as we look at the table and reflect on the sacrifice you made, as we think of the cost of the call to holiness, help us to surrender again to you, Lord Jesus Christ, the things that we hold so dear the things that we make much of now, forgetting all that is to come. God, please give us your perspective this week and help us to be willing to surrender all to you, all those things, all those thoughts, all those priorities that stand in the way of our following. Amen. We're going to stand.